like a heart attack no that's bad oh hopefully not like a heart attack <laughs> i we would like to live this is what did you do if you didn't guess it i mean you clicked it so yeah you might have forgotten Maybe. what we sound like yeah this is true I feel like this it's is true a bit. but um um d as you guys know me i was trying to think of something fancy but it was just d you rhymed that's enough <laughs> and who are you again? i'm d as you know me I'm Charnel, living and doing well, you know? So, I thought, if we're rhyming. I, I guess. That's, <laughs> That's what we're doing today. I'm a lyricist. It's just what it's what, it's what I am. I'm a musician at my core, I feel, so. <sighs> if that's not true. We're here bringing you the smiles. And Something a like it. of distraction. Um, oh, yeah. Before we get into While it, the world burns. we know where, who we are, so we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world, but before we go into that, tell me something good, Charnel, in your life that's going positive right now, because we need some positivity to begin the show, because we're about to talk about hard tell stuff and then murder, so... Okay, I was singing while you were talking. Wow. Tell me something wow. good. I don't need your songs, yeah, I need you to tell me what's positive in your life right now. <laughs> Tell me that you love me. It's not your vocals. Yeah. That's what it's not. Yeah. Wait. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, one positive thing that's been happening in my life, or has happened, uh, is I have officially beaten, at least the main story, not all the side missions and stuff, of every video game that I own. That's okay. Wild. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've never done that. Well, let me clarify, actually, because I'm thinking about it as, as I say it, I'm lying. Every PlayStation 4 game that I own, I still have not beat Breath of the Wild. I am very close, but I have not finished. I put it down for Spider-Man. I beat Spider-Man two days ago, and I feel very accomplished. Congratulations. So, you tell me something that's brought some light to your world. Um, let's see, two things. I got to see my daughter, my stepdaughter. So that was a positive because I hadn't seen her for three months. Yes, baby. It's a sordid story, but you know, whatever. I haven't seen her for three months. It is what it is. And mm. then my anniversary is tomorrow. One year. Woohoo! Um, so we got through the first year because supposedly the first year is the hardest year. Um, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's good. I still like him. He's still around. We, we we survived quarantine together. We actually had a fun quarantine. I was sad to have to go back to work. Um, yeah. I have a lot of positives. Quarantine. I got a promotion. Everything is okay, except for everything else that's going on in the world, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had some light in the darkness. Yes. A woody woo boop. Okay, um, okay, so we talk about this darkness a little bit, because as people of color podcasters, we should probably touch base of what's going on. I don't know. You want to? I also want to clarify that we are we are black <laughs> podcasters. I'm not. I'm a person of color, but I am. I don't. We True, use that to be but inclusive. You know, like but for, POC is a but <laughs> POC is a right. thing. Like we see you POC pod. Right. We see everyone. Yeah. But this is a pock pod. Yeah. Um. But no. So clearly, we wouldn't be. 
what did you do if we didn't talk about how the world factors into how things happen, how systems work and how systems manipulate and permeate all things, right? It's what we do. We literally break things down and talk about it. And one of those systems, or societal systems, is racism, right? Racism is a very real thing. If you deny that, I'm not sure why you came to what did you do. (laughs) I don't know how you got here. Uh, Dee and I thought it appropriate just to kind of speak out uh, kind of about what just what's been happening, how we're feeling, and how how gross racism is. <laughs> it's just it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and we're not gonna we're not gonna spend 20 minutes or no, anything no. on it. But D has feelings, and I have feelings, so I'll let her share hers, oh, and I'll share mine, me, and then we'll get into this let case. Me, let me go first. Um, I'm a gentleman. My message is to say racism is very real. Um, every day, I I want to say every day I face it in some form or another. Um, and we're tired. We're tired as black people. We are just tired. I mean, even having a like show like this and being like one of the few black people to host a true crime show, we see the difference. We see the difference in how we're treated. It's the little things and the bigger things like us getting murdered by the police that we've had enough of and I've had enough of and I've been very vocal on the interwebs, including Twitter. I'm on Twitter all of a sudden, um, (laughs) talking about all the things that um, are upsetting my heart when I'm seeing everything that goes on. But I, as a black woman, am tired of worrying about my husband going out wearing a hoodie when we go hiking during quarantine. That was something that just recently happened. So, like, I, I'm just tired. I don't want, you, when I have a son, to have to worry about that. I don't want my daughter to think about her husband or significant other in a way where she worries. Like, I don't want this to continue on from generation to generation. And, you know, what you're seeing now is the result of all those feelings that we all have uh, unilaterally throughout the United States as black people. Uh, we all feel the same. We're all tired. That's what I, that's what I got. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I wrote a whole like diatribe the other day. Um, But yeah, I think that where I am right now is I am exhausted, too. I am just tired of talking about things um, and, and making noise and pushing for change and it falling on deaf ears. I think um, I think what I said was that we've been internalizing um, this trauma that is very specific to us. Right. Um, and every day we're forced to process more pain. Like you said, like I make the joke actually that, um, that there are days where I'll forget that I'm black. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's not true. I'd never forget, but like there are days where it doesn't weigh on me as heavily. And then something will happen to remind me. Mm -hmm. Um, like one thing I don't do, um, is I don't read the reviews for this show. It's I haven't done it since like the first Mm -hmm. month. It just doesn't matter to me. I know that we have people who listen faithfully and you guys care and we care about you. Um, but I remember when someone made, was gave us a poor review simply because we use slang when we speak, and then like caricaturized it in the review and was like the Ebonics be tripping yo, and I'm like we are probably two of the most educated people like doing true crime <laughs> podcast like... in general yeah, <laughs> and I was like you don't like get to call us unintelligent like that's only because we talk in a way that you don't see as valuable or worthy. And that's not okay. Um, and so, like, we experience it like that. I experience it when, like, I'm walking through the grocery store 
uh, with my mask on, and I realize how much I use. I have a great smile, but I realize how much I <laughs> use my smile to disarm people. Like I like when I walk. I'm a huge dude. I'm six three. I'm broad, you know. And so like I smile at people to make them think that I am safe, right? You don't have to be worried that I'm here. And with the masks on in grocery stores, I can't do that anymore. Right. You know, and so like walking by people and people like grabbing their kids. And it's not because of Rona. They've done it since before then. But people grabbing their kids, people watching me, people like I'm, I'll be in the parking lot and people like just stop and watch, make sure I'm going over like to my car and not towards theirs if we're parked next to each other. And it's just the most ridiculous things that happen. Um, and I'm just tired of having to try to convince people of my worth and of my personhood. And I think a lot of people are too. Um, and if you guys are listening, what I would say is be encouraged um, that you matter, your life matters, your feelings matter, your thoughts matter. Um, and for all the people who don't know kind of what to do, um, that tends to be the, I don't know how to help or what to say or how to engage in people. There's tons of literature available. Um, Beverly, Beverly Tatum Johnson, I think I heard her name wrong, um, but Dr. Joy DeGry, um, there's Tim Wise, uh, James Baldwin has tons of writings about the intersections of morality and justice. Um, hell, watch any Martin Luther King speech, Malcolm X even, because everyone loves a militant. But like, there's tons of literature and videos out there to encourage you and educate you to have those conversations and don't ask it of the people, uh, the black people and people of color in your life to constantly hold your hands through that. Sometimes you got to do the work and it's all right, you know, and it's okay to ask dumb questions in the right spirit, right? Don't be devil's advocate. He's got enough of them. Um, just ask questions like, hey, I'm not sure how to help. My friend Mitch, uh, who went viral like two mm-hmm. months ago over some dumb TikTok, he, like, it's, it was, but he, he tweeted something like of, of the kind of of the essence of can't we all get along? And his like new viral followers were just dragging him. And he, he, he texted me and was like, what do I say? How do I approach this? And I was like, that's not the question. You tweet your feelings, but be sensitive and compassionate. And ask questions if you don't understand how to do that the right way. And that's what you did, right? So you asked the trusted black person in your life, like, <laughs> what do I say? Um, but ask questions to people that you trust and they trust you to not be a burden in this time. So that's it. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Dee has anything no, else. No, I mean, uh, I have a blog. And this is going to be like a shameless plug. But I did blog about this for more of my feelings. Um, so if you guys want to check it out, it's uh, the reconnect with a DA because I mean everyone has the, and it's hard right. to get. So we had to bring it back to the early two thousands and do the DA. But it's the reconnect. <laughs> it's not always going to be about Black Lives Matter, but I had a lot of feelings, and I've been sitting on this blog forever. And then when everything happened, I was like, uh, I got to put these feelings somewhere that isn't uh, mm-hmm. the toxic internet uh, comments off. I don't. Oh. I don't want to see your comments. <laughs> we are gonna i'm gonna talk about other things i'm gonna talk about wellness um i have a segment to do on wellness especially during this time that i did an interview for so that's gonna be written up soon and i'm gonna have some guest writers uh be a part of that um blog experience but yeah like there is a blog and i i did write my feelings uh in more detail but i'm just tired now Ooh, i'm gonna be a guest you writer. are i actually already said it to my mom i was like i'm thinking about get charnel to do it you don't even know it yet <laughs> Yeah, I'm a decent writer. I can, I can, I can convey feelings well. Trust me. It takes me a little bit of effort to do that because, (laughs) like, uh, I get a little bit of a temper. So it's, it's more. I have to be very conscious about my writing. Right. 
there is a um i was i shared it on on something today but it, i think i t- retweeted it uh but it was a clip of Maya angelou talking to dave Chappelle in 2006 and she was saying how like it's hard not to be angry right and which dave Chappelle said it was hard not to be angry and she's like well you should be angry right but he's like here's the thing like you don't want to be bitter. She said, you could be angry and you could march it, vote it, write it, sing it, drum it, like speak it. Like that is what you do with anger, right? But bitterness is like cancer and it eats away at you and you alone. It does nothing to change what the object of your bitterness. It does nothing to do it. And I was like, she, oh, she was such a gift to the world. Uh, talk about, a, gift, <laughs> talk about um, a gifted writer. She is somebody. Same. She was one of my five heroes. Yep, so. as well. Um, <laughs> I was looking forward to taking a class, just taking a class where she was a professor at that uh, college. Uh, just to uh, say I did, because I love Maya. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt about a lot of people. My, when she died, um, my mom, yeah. my sister actually texted me. She's like, are you all right? Because she knew. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I wasn't. Um, neither was I. I was really sad. Same thing with like Stan Lee. Stan Lee died, and I was like, no. <laughs> I was right? like, come on. My, I came out of a work meeting, and... Uh, and they're like, sure, now we have bad news. And I was like, what? And they're like, someone passed away. And I was like, wait, someone here? They're like, no. And I was like, my God, Beyonce? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, no. And I was like, oh, thank God. Then who? Like, what? <laughs> they were like, oh, Stan Lee. And I was like, oh, that hurts just as bad, right. guys. Oh, man. But anyway, let's get this right. thing going because we we have uh, food plans after yes. this. Some of us have anniversary plans. Yes. So let's do let's do life together. Let's do the the thing we do best-ish. Mm-hmm. Good-ish. Um, so if you guys didn't already if know. If you didn't read the title. Um, right. If you've, or if you've clicked off because you got tired of us talking about racism. There <laughs> is. We are. We are discussing the life and crimes of Gerard John Schaefer today. What a name, Gerard John Schaefer. It sounds like a president, to be honest. Dead ass, that's correct. (laughs) And he was nothing, he was nothing, well, even close to presidential. (laughs) Not doing it. No, we're not. I don't know what they did back then. Gross. Anyway, ah. <laughs> why don't you lead us off, Dee? Why don't you get us into the uh, the early life and childhood of Mr. Schaefer, and Boy, did he we have can one. expound from there. Up, oh, talk about. Yes. Yeah, so let's just start with his birth. Um, he was born March twenty fifth, nineteen forty six, in Wisconsin to Gerard Schaefer, uh, Senior, and Doris Schaefer, his mom. Um, so his growing up up until he moves because he moves when he was 14 all he really says was he didn't have a good relationship with his father um he d- he's done interviews as well so this is coming from his mouth and we're glad to have it um if it's true <laughs> he says his father was an alcoholic um who favored his sister and because he favored his sister so much um he actually wanted to be a girl so that was the first glimmers of hmm, maybe there's something here that's troubling. Before he moves to Florida at age 12, he says that he's into sadomasochism. So he has some proclivities um, at this time. He, like I said, wanted to be a woman. He's into sadomasochism. Um, there's a lot going on. And I, 
you know, you you said something when we were discussing this, Charnel. Like, what led to this at such an early right. age? Um, was there? Yeah. I don't know. Was there more going on with his dad, or was this just him? Yeah, I I think so. One of the things that I've always wondered because this is the thing everyone talks about kids as if they're you know the kids don't have sexuality or kids don't have this at a young age and they do kids know who they're attracted to kids bodies react to things like it is it's just what it is we all grew up we all had bodies once we know how that works um but the problem is that kids aren't sexualized you know at a young age hopefully they're just not they're not they're not engaged in sexual activity and so for you to be 12 years old and to understand that it gives you sexual gratification to harm yourself, um, I, I read that he would tie himself to a tree. And, like, what? Like, just things like that. Tie himself too tight, um, fantasizing about hurting other people while he, was, while he was masturbating. Like, at such That's a young all. age... How did you conflate these two things together so young? Like, what happened? What two, yeah. what two experiences? Yeah, happened to bring these things together. And because I mean, I've done a lot of my own reading around like sadomasochism and sexual pleasure, just because I had to when I took an abnormal uh, like behavior class once. <laughs> and it's not abnormal because it's gross. It's abnormal because it's not the norm, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying that you shouldn't you know, get into what you get into as long as you can do it while living your life. I'm just saying that it's not what everybody does. It's probably what everyone could do. I'm sure people are interested in venturing out and just don't for fear of being shamed, but that's neither here nor there. But something usually happens to draw the two together. You know, there's a certain personality that comes into play when it comes into BDSM and stuff like that. So um, I also read a study that um, people who practice BDSM are actually healthier and less neurotic than people who don't. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it's like a weird, but that's people who are in the dominant position. So that's a weird thing to think about too, as we go through this, but we don't have to stay here too long, but we can keep talking. Right. So this is all around 12, <laughs> including his, that and his, he discovered, he says he discover, discovers women's underwear. Um, and sometimes that oh. he would wear it, wear women's underwear. Mm. Um, but this continued, in, and he moved in 1960 at the age of 14 to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where he ended up, you know, staying for the remainder of his life. And of course, we're talking about Florida. Here we are. Um, well, you gotta love Florida. Florida always shows up and shows yeah, out. Yeah. They will not be one upped. I will say not that. At all. Um, it's, it's gotta be a trait and a skill, just not one that everybody wants. No. love you guys for real orlando stand so these behaviors continued including some peeping tom behaviors um he had Uh, the habit of peeping on his one of his neighbors her name was leanne handline and that becomes important later on um but yeah he was a peeper he he did say okay so there's a little bit of a little mix he said he wore women's underwear but then there was a whole cross-dressing thing but he said he only did that mm. to get out of Vietnam. So, I don't... Right, which yeah, worked. it did work. You did get out of it, but he might have also liked it as well. I mean, this is the 1960s. If he had anything, if he enjoyed anything like that, he wouldn't have a safe space to talk about it, definitely, at this time. So, 
Um, well, that's so. This is the thing that I, I mean, we're gonna Fort Lauderdale, so we're gonna talk a little bit about it when he actually gets hired later on. But like in yeah, so one of the things about Fort Lauderdale is it is it is it is home to a suburb. Is that the right terminology? Uh, I think it's the second gayest city um, in the U.S. behind like San Francisco, Wilton Manors, Florida. Um, and shout out to my buddy Victor who uh, <laughs> who hosts the. Um, the digging six feet under podcast or digging Dexter now, but, um, he, he lives there and works in Miami, but he's married with a, to a woman and he just enjoys the bars and the cheap rent. But, um, so if there was a space to explore gender identity, he might've had that kind of nearby and that might be why he was doing it and maybe enjoying it too. Like there's all these aspects that kind of go into, into what's happening. And as far as like the peeping Tom piece, like that Whenever, whenever you see a young kid getting into the peeping tom thing, you should always be wary. Right. Like I, I tell everybody that if you anybody who is young, there's there's nothing wrong with kids being curious about genitals. Right. That's just not that's natural. But anyone who is watching for gratification, like they tend to be, they tend to have the same characteristics as sex sex offenders, right. or and it's almost like it's a part of a method. Mm-hmm where they build this world in their head of what this object is and who they are and what they do and how they speak to you and how they move for you. And it becomes this, it almost becomes this inner monologue of a romance. And you don't, and we'll talk, it's going to come up later, but it is a... When you're keeping hot, Tom, there's also a lack of consent, which is why it's something like... Exactly. Sex offenders and it's connected to sex offenses. I mean, the whole thing about sex offending is that there's no consent. The person cannot consent. Right. And so peeping time is that, you know, beginning stage of not having consent. So, right. um, which is not voyeurism, which is not like, <laughs> I was like, I just, there's all this. Never mind. We don't have to, <laughs> it's gonna get caught. I was like, I always try to, I'm always just trying to make sure no one feels like I'm king shaming yeah, or something like voyeurism when it's consensual mm-hmm. and your partner likes to watch you do stuff that is fine. If you put him in a tree outside and let him look through your window, that's cool. But you looking through someone's window who does not know you're there is illegal and not consensual. That's that's my that's my line. We're good. I think I, I, think I covered everything. I think so. I think so. <laughs> you checked off all the boxes. Right. So anyways, in 1966, he did actually see a therapist for all these things. But he said it didn't help. Nothing helped him. This is who he was. And he remained this way. He went through college at Florida Atlantic University um, and graduated. While he was in the university, though, he married Martha Fogg in 1968. After he graduated, he became a teacher at Plantation High School. Let me tell you about the word plantation and anything in the South. It's always triggering for me. Right. No, like anything named plantation anything. and connected like, to the what's South. That, what's that just, restaurant? I have this, every time I read it, I just like really cringe. Um, what is the the plantation station? What was that restaurant that was that is? It probably still exists. It was like soup plantation. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would you name? <laughs> <laughs> and be proud of it. Doesn't but matter. He became um, a teacher at Plantation High School. But soon was prior, fired for inappropriate conduct slash behavior. Um, so that didn't last too long. No, it did no. not. But also, like, he... 
So he tried a lot of different things before he landed on his final career uh, path. Yeah, after, well, um, this was after he, teaching. He, you want to go? Right. <laughs> no, I was just saying, it's just, I think it's, when you have someone we who has a very like you said he went to he went to see a therapist went to a psychiatrist um when he was a little bit younger than that um to kind of seek out you know help he knew that something wasn't right and this typically you know i tell you guys secrets make you sick right when you know that something's not right and you keep it to yourself and it just continues to snowball well he looked to get help and it was specifically from his sexual, like, deviant behavior. Like, that was what he wanted to, to do. But also, he was venturing into not just harming people, but killing right. people. Like, fantasizing about ending lives in his head. Oh, yeah, I didn't um, mention that. But, yeah, he was a person who did kill small animals when he was younger as well. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. in my notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he, he might have actually, and this is what the, knowing his history, again, his, of sexual deviance, he I, he went, um, what is the name of the school I have here? St. John's Seminary. He tried to become a priest at mm-hmm. one point. I think it was after um, the and school he, fired him. He t- had three goals. Yeah. A teacher, a priest, or a police officer. It was the three. Right. Which, two, one of these things is not like the other, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> but, I, uh, but I can understand being a teacher and a priest. But again, being a teacher and a priest with these, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? proclivities um yeah i always struggle with that one um is is dangerous Mm -hmm. clearly we know the history of of cover-ups and scandals and stuff like that all Uh, the jobs that he trying to get connected to there is a history of issues uh with some of those people who take those professions all of them the priest the teacher um, that takes a kid, advantage of the kids, both of those in both instances, and then police officers, hello. It's probably the most obvious. Yeah. I think it puts him in a position of, again, of power mm-hmm. um, and dominance, which which goes into, like, how poor mental health might intersect with sadomasochism and things like that, um, where it needs, and it kind of ventures into, like, the narcissistic territory and all that stuff, where it's like, I need to be this, and I need to be almost worshipped. Right. Um, as opposed to you just enjoying something with your partner. So, I mean, he gets, he's got all these uh, kind of strings that are just tangled right. in his head, and there's nothing happening to untangle them. He's just kind of moving along, which is super dangerous because, like, Dee was getting ready to say that he steps into another profession right. after that. Right. So, <laughs> before he lands his dream career, um, in 1970, <laughs> Martha was not about that life. Um and Martha divorces uh, Gerald. Uh, let's see, Gerard. Sorry, for extreme yeah. cruelty. That's it. That's what I was trying to read, <laughs> but I was in my own way with my mic. I'm so funny. This is great. I was trying to figure out like I, I wanted to know what I the hate... extreme cruelty was. Right, like find when it. something's happened in the 70s, it's so hard to like really pick pieces apart unless they were like especially uh, reported right. upon. So I was like, what is defined as extreme cruelty, and what usually that would mean like abuse, um, you know, physical violence, intimidation, mm-hmm. um, things it like that. But I, he wanted, I mean, just speaking on his history, like something like tying her up. Um, yeah. Some of the things that he ended up doing uh, to his victims probably was what he tried to do well, that, to his wife. Because that was the thing, too. I think we kind of glanced, we touched on it, but we didn't go into detail. When he was younger, he had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was making her do things 
that was uncomfortable. And like the thing about doing anything that's sadomasochistic is that it has to be an agreed upon consensual piece. You can't just coerce people into doing things that harm them or might hurt you, you know? And so I could see him trying to impute that into Martha and being like, I want this to happen. I want to be able to tie you up. I want to be able to hit you, hurt you. Or the rape fantasy was a thing that was there Mm -hmm. too. And it takes a very specific type of person to be into that. And you're not going to find that everywhere. And so you can't just push that onto someone because some people might actually begin to feel like they are being, you know, stripped of their dignity and humanity in that process. So, like, I could see her being like, nah, I'm good. Right. I'm right. out. Exactly <laughs> like, this did. isn't, I'm not, I'm just built different. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, he, you know, he has to rebuild his life. And that's what he does. So he attempts to become a police officer for Broward County in uh, Fort Lauderdale in Florida. I love that area, by the way. It's one of my favorite areas. It's a beautiful yes. area. Um, but he fails the psycho- psychological test uh, a couple times. As he should. Um, As he should. <laughs> but he does like get picked up be. in 1971 for a small, you know, police department in Wilton Manors. Uh, See? Florida, and they hired him. They took him in it in any way, despite failing uh, the psycho- psychological test. So he's like going uh, around trying is... to find a department that would take him, and the small one took him. This is basically what happens. Yeah, like that's a, it's usually tends to be that. Like you'll, um, I hate. I hate movies with this trope because I think they're all the same. But we all seen movies with the. Uh, with the cop who came from the big city and ran into something, some trouble or something, and becomes a sheriff in, in a, a small, small town. town. Which like, I don't know why that's, that's not better. untrue. Right, that's not untrue. Those are things that happen. There are people who, it's less less people, less difference, less all that stuff. And so people think that maybe it's better that he is in charge of a smaller force over a smaller community. And there's less chances for things that's, to go wrong. I'm not exactly sure what the logic is. I don't is. know what the logic is because to me, that's more chances for you to do something and maybe people not notice. Or if like maybe the belief is that smaller communities tend to be more closely bound and so if you came in and did something wrong then something would be done about it but the other side is if you ever watched like the show banshee which i loved it was on amazon prime if you haven't watched it it. um at least the first three seasons are but it's great It's, it's phenomenal but it's about a small fake town named banshee in pennsylvania but the other time is that sometimes like police and elected officials tend to be more kind of culturally involved and intertwined because of who's raised where and who just grew up to be this and because their daddy was this and so they tend to be more like buddy buddy like when you're in you're in so there's also that so maybe but Wilton Manors is so close to Fort Lauderdale that I would imagine that there'd be communication but who knows (laughs) maybe he landed there um and he got accommodations for a drug bust that happened in March 1972 which is very interesting that year um, but shortly after, in April, he gets fired from there, uh, and the chief of police and Wilton said that he didn't have any common sense. Like, he just didn't have any common sense. So, uh, it's interesting how he goes from accommodation for a dr- his role in a drug bust, and then fired the next, right. the next month. Well, there's, like, 
Well, this is the thing. So, like, there are people who are in charge who are seeing his shortcomings. Like, when the priest said that he didn't have strong enough faith to become a priest, um, when he's failing the psychological tests, when the the police chief is saying, this man doesn't have any common sense. Um, He doesn't have any, one, or any soft skills, too. That was the other thing. He doesn't know how to treat people, Um, which is later shown when, like, we find out that he actually got disciplined, too, for like using the information he got from uh traffic violators mm-hmm. for the female traffic violators and then calling them later for for romantic, you know, soirees and stuff. Like that's not appropriate. Like and the fact that you think that it is lets me know that you don't mind intruding intruding on other people's private information or or a private um kind of personal bubble of protection to get what you would like from them. And so like the, people should start piecing these things together. But however, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. And, <laughs> and he gets hired with the Martin County Sheriff's Department. Uh, don't know how that happens, but that happens. Right, he does. And it's like, it's 80 miles like north of um of Welland Manors. I searched it. Oh, um, so it's a, it's a little, for, it's, a, it's a good, decent, about like it's an hour away if you're driving right um if you're driving like me it's an hour and 10 minutes if you're driving the speed limit i'd assume but (laughs) but it's about an hour away so there's some distance between him and where what he was already doing um smaller place it's stewart florida so like there's again it's this idea of i don't know of like kind of shrinking it's but it's harder to hide in a small room like that's what i never got i don't know it should be. It should be hide, harder to hide if you're in a small, tiny space. No, I think that's always true. Anyways, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't think that's always true. Um, no, I agree. It's not always true, but I'm saying it should be. <laughs> it should be true. Yeah, and so things begin to escalate in the life of Gerard John Schaefer, um, only because he's clearly out of control. Yep. Yep. Um, has <laughs> no common no sense. Community. Lacks faith. <laughs> no, instead say? of saying like. Yup, he's out of control. I said nope. Yeah. Ignore he me. is, yeah, he's just, I, I will. <laughs> and <laughs> so things get a little hairier for Gerard because July 21st of 1972, he decides to act on these feelings, right? He decides to now not try to force a loved one or significant other into participating in his very strange sexcapades. Um, he decides to do it with someone who might not be so willing. And so he picks up two hitchhikers. It was a 17-year-old. Her name was Pamela Wells and her 18-year-old buddy, uh, Nancy Trotter, on a highway. And he told them that hitchhiking was illegal in Martin County. It's not true. Um, hitchhiking didn't become illegal in a lot of places right. until, like, what, the 90s? Um, but it's not true. So he said he was going to drive them back to where they were staying. You know. Now, mind you, he is not in his personal vehicle. Like, he yeah, is completely not. In the of course, and that's what made them trust. Patrol car. Exactly. And so, what happens, he brings them back, right? And he offers to meet them the next morning off-duty and drive them to the beach himself. And so, with the, the girls are like, sure, why not? It's a cop. You know, you can trust the police. Like, we should be able to do that, Right. And so, instead of bringing them to the beach, however, the next day on the 22nd, he brings them to this kind of brushy, swampy area um, that was off a road. Mm -hmm. 
And that's when they start to get a little uncomfortable and like, what's happening? What's going on? Um, and he starts being overtly inappropriate and perverted and making comments about their bodies and goes on to talk about how he wants to sell them away mm-hmm. to a sex trafficking mm-hmm. ring. He said, he um, like them just, white slaves, which interesting. Right, which also speaks to something else, but we don't have to talk about it right now. Um, but <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that doctorate in social psychology. But there is, <laughs> but forcing them out of the car, right? So he he ties them to a tree, and oh man, and like ties nooses around their necks. Why do people know how to tie nooses in general? Okay, what life skill how is to, that? Exactly, like, class is that? Is that boys girls? I don't, I don't know. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who knows how to tie nooses. You have to like search that. You have to check on it. Figure it out. You got to watch like, videos. Was, like library? Like why is well, there a sure, book on this? I'm sure there is a book. I mean, it's, again, it's the it's the south and it's the 70s, so there could be books on anything. Or you probably got friends who know how. I don't know. Um but he had bound them in such a way and kind of balanced on tree roots with those nooses around their necks. So that way, if they, you know, got tired, their legs got tired, they slipped in any way, it would hang them. Yeah, and, right? and so he left them there saying that he'd come back. But what happened is they were able to get out of the, their restraints and they got to a highway where they flagged down another, an actual true, I guess, Police policeman, car. like yeah. a person who would, <laughs> who would see them and want, and want to help them. And because they had clear look at his face, he wasn't wearing a mask or anything. They've seen him twice in 24 hours. They were able to say, this is who he is. He's a policeman. Um, please help. Right? So this is the part that D was laughing about with me. <laughs> <laughs> because by the time they got to the other cop, Gerard uh, Schaefer was going back. Uh, to the, <laughs> to the spot he had left them and realized they were gone, mm-hmm. and because of that, he calls his he calls his boss, who's the sheriff, Richard uh, Crowder, and quote unquote, "I've done something foolish. You're gonna be mad at me." <laughs> <laughs> he had, he basically had said that he had kind of overreached um, and wanted to try to scare these girls into not hitchhiking just because it's for their own good. They need to know mm-hmm. better um, that hitchhiking is dangerous. Clearly, and for that in the future they'll know better not to do it. What kind of excuse? Is... I, I don't even. So like he said, like I know this is something I've heard somewhere before, and like as, there as was, I don't know if I, it was in a I, case. Dude, like there is, it, we covered a story where the person did this. They like lied and said, "Oh, I only did that because I wanted to teach them a yeah. lesson," and it's like it's not your place to teach them that lesson. Yeah. Bring them to where they're staying and tell their parents or something. Like, that's not your job uh, was it the <laughs> to scare people. Saying scared straight. No. I forget which one. Guys, if you're listening, I just took a sip of water. If you're listening and you know what I'm talking about or what we're talking about, please tell us because our brains don't work the same way anymore. We are getting old. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've been, we've been inside quarantine. We don't know people anymore. I don't know. We haven't seen each other's I don't even know how to, I don't know how to live. Right. I, don't, I haven't seen your face outside of the internet. Right. So that's a thing. I feel like we should just do a drive. <laughs> you can't. Like we just not. Whoa, whoa! But not after, <laughs> not an actual drive by. Not like a drive by shooting, words. but like a drive by, like go by like your house and like away from the driveway or something. Whatever. <laughs> a drive by. What the hell? Um, but yeah, he, but yeah, he so gave that excuse qu- to his sheriff, and the sheriff 
And his sheriff was, was like, what the not F? A, this, is not, this is not it. This is not it. So he was fired on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Look at, Immediately. Look at that, doing your job. And he was charged <laughs> with false imprisonment and two counts of aggravated assault. Immediately. See, and this is, but this is the, this is the, the dangerous piece right, right. here. Um, is, and uh, looking at the criminal justice system in the 70s, we all know is incredibly flawed. It's incredibly flawed now. Mm. But there's so much where people will use their community influence and positions to kind of, like, manipulate the system in a way. Like, this man clearly is not okay. Has a history of all this stuff. Okay, failed psychological tests. Got fired for being inappropriate with women. And has overreached horribly and kidnapped and bound with him. (laughs) And you let him, you offer him bail. That was the issue. Like, he should have been on remand. Like, he should not have been loved back. Well, for the 70s, $15,000 is like more. Yeah, true. But it's still not not enough. No, because you see the bondsmen. Right. Bondsmen have been a thing forever. So you need 10% of whatever it was. I didn't do the math on the $15,000 bond 45, 50 years ago. But. It's true. It was a low bond for what he did. And I think it's because he was a police officer and we got he had ties to the community. We don't know what exactly, um, like what his ties were to the community because that tends to be the line that's used. But you just feel like you're an important piece of, you know, of how the society works and moves. Um, but what makes this especially dangerous is that he's on the streets again. Yep. You know, and he's, he's out moving. And so this is where. We uh we find that it's in this space between what was it? I don't want to make sure I get it wrong. Um, it was between September and January. January. Yeah, well, January is when he starts serving yeah. his sentence, but September is kind of like the the time where he's out and about. Um, that the terrible things happen, right? right? And so while he was free, mm-hmm. while he had been set go, while he had been let go, mm-hmm. you know, waiting on his trial. Uh, jeez, these two girls disappear right right susan place who was 17 and georgia jessup which is one of my favorite uh names ever and this is not yeah but because there's there is a city or a town called jessup georgia oh look at that that's cute and i think is that why they named her georgia but it was just it was just it was it was something that stuck in my mind i was like wow that is parents being intentional but they had vanished from Fort Lauderdale. Remember, 80 miles north is where he is now. Um, and so Susan's parents said the girls had left the house with an older man with the name of Jerry Shepard. Gerard Schaefer? Jerry Shepard. Hmm. And they were going to go to the beach and, and gallivant and do what people do on beaches, but they had never come back. However, right, however, uh, Susan's mother did write down Gerard Schaefer's license plate and described his car. Smart woman. <laughs> like this, yeah, mama, oh, mama ain't no fool. Right? But it wasn't until like after he'd already gone to prison for his previous crimes that they even really traced the plate number back to him anyway. Right. And a lot so, of like, the there's just, there was some... the parents of the missing right. girls that did the detective work to connect him to the, the disappearance. Right, and shout out to the parents. Like, I, it's it's the complete opposite of those in the Houston Heights in the seventies who were just like, "Yeah, my baby went off to yeah, work and went the- to work and never came back." <laughs> like, what, friends? <laughs> Let's be better. 
Let's do this. Let's do this properly. And so being confronted while incarcerated, he says he has no idea what's happening, right? He is like, I have nothing. I have never met these girls before. I've never spoken to them. However, that lie became less and less feasible when only about a week later, on April 1st, uh, these three men who were collecting cans found the remains of two girls, right? And then four days later, they were identified by their dental records. Susan Place, you know, 17-year-old girl, had been shot in the jaw um, with detectives realizing that they had been tied to a tree um, and butchered too. So you see like the, uh, there's the similarities between how Schaefer tried it the first time. Right. Right. And how these two missing girls were found. Mm -hmm. So who, who could it be in a place where uh, Gerard Schaefer knows it, knows it well. Mm -hmm. Right, he knows Fort Lauderdale well enough. He's worked there. He has roots there. He has family, not family there. Just friends there, uh, family there too as well, I guess. But he's got, you know, connections to Fort Lauderdale. And again, but again, he, I think he thought that maybe 80 miles north, he was, people wouldn't think that he was connected. You know, and that that kind of speaks to his plotting and planning. I mean, and his uh, common but, sense while he got fired earlier, so. Right, he has none of it. <laughs> <laughs> But the similarities between how they were killed and his attempted first murder, uh, first attempted murder is probably the best way to say it, <laughs> were they got a warrant for his mama's house. They were able to, it's probable cause at this yeah. point. And it's what they found inside that was really chilling, right? Because he was, when his, the house where his mom lived, he had a spare, he lived in a kind of a spare room there that he used. It's like the guest bedroom or whatever. Um, and what they ended up finding. Uh, like he wrote some of the most graphic short stories and we'll go on and talk about too, about things he wanted to do to women, things he claimed to have done already to women. And we'll talk about that in about 10 seconds, Mm -hmm. but him just like him just being gross and, and again, perverted. And what's the word you use? Depraved. Depraved. Um, Yeah. So he had found short stories about that. Um, 11 guns, 13 knives, uh, and other things like jewelry, diaries that were tying him to the other disappearances of women over the past few years. Specifically, um, there was a driver's license and a passport that had belonged to uh, Colette Goodenough, which, again, another awesome last name, um, and Barbara Wilcox, who were last seen January 8th of that year, right? So, like, this, he's got connections to almost everywhere. The jewelry was connected um, who's the other person? I wrote all this stuff down. I'm scrolling down. But all the things they were finding was connecting them to the disappearances of other yeah. women. So he clearly does not just have two victims. This man has been doing this for a long time under the guise of a public service. One of the um, things that they found, jewelry and stuff, I remember I, remember I mentioned Lee Hanlan from earlier, his neighbor. Yeah. I believe at one point she went to visit him. Um she had told she at this point she was married um and she went to visit him in miami while she was down there and she never came back i'm saying she went to visit mm-hmm. him she actually just told her husband she was going to uh, miami but i'm assuming she went to visit him and never came back they did find some of her belongings there so this was the same girl that right. he used to do the whole peeping tom the neighbor um 
so they they actually found I think her head or her her body pieces uh, somewhere. But he definitely I think he had his her jewelry. Is what he had. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. So. And so it was a so even even that where he when being investigated and questioned, he didn't use the word that he was like impeding on her privacy at all. He said that she was taunting him when she would get dressed with her when her curtains were open and things like that. So there might be the the language used might imply that he felt vengeful. I don't know. Like if you're gonna like you want me to do these things to you. Um but yeah, her her remains were uh discovered a year um after Colette's good enough so, again, I love that last name. Um and Barbara Wilcox. I love a good last name, man. Like there there aren't enough of them out there. Um, but even that, um, another piece of jewelry had linked him to the disappearance of a 14-year-old girl in Broward County, where he worked. Yep. Um, and, and then another with a 13-year-old girl, Elsie Farmer. Um, and their skeletons were found, too. But there is no cause of death to be kind of determined. And so because of that, they couldn't pin uh, that on him either. You know, they couldn't say, like, they died because of him. But connection, I mean, if you had to draw lines. Mm-hmm. Right. I would draw it to Gerard. Right. But he was absolutely right. using his jail time as an alibi to say, hey, like, I had nothing to do with this. But then they're like, wait, well, this happened around September and you are actually free. And in this short time, you were more than likely able to do this. Oh, yeah. And clearly. And some of them were, were people who had gone missing before. Clearly, you know, before he was even... Um, caught up with the other two young girls that he had kidnapped, right? So, like, the, he, like, the, I don't know why he feels that, <laughs> why he feels like, again, this absolves me of this, right? Because I've been in jail, so it absolves me of the ones you're bringing to me. But, but if we're finding all these things in your mother's house that don't belong to you or to your mother, and clear photo identification of women who have gone to missing and been on missing persons lists, like this man thought he was smarter than everybody. Absolutely, he is not. He he definitely um, did uh, think he was smarter than everybody, but that didn't work out. No, no. He at was all. charged with the and two he murders. Everything that he got. Yeah, he was charged with the two murders of the girls in October uh, nineteen seventy three. Found guilty, and he was mm-hmm. given two life sentences to serve. Um, it was then you know they started to link him to about. 30 women i think he was bragging slash confessed to about nine or so in my head hmm. um but he, he they connected him with the specific way that he killed his victims they connected him to about 30 um around right. this time too he started to you know try to get out of it he put in for um you know a new case to review his case um all these court orders he started to go on and on about but nothing came out of it um right he had 19 appeals yeah. i think he put Nin- in was it more than 19 or which all, it might have been it might have been more just than that but frivolous I lawsuits appeals like it was just crazy all lost all turned yeah, down nothing like, nothing happened oh. um he did some interviews that are on the youtubes i didn't get to watch yes. them i was looking at the documentary but he did some interviews as well so if you guys are interested in the mine of Jared, uh, Gerard. Why well, can't I say the name? Gerard. Gerard. <laughs> then go ahead to the YouTube to check that out. Because um, he's definitely somebody who uh, probably had a personality disorder. And 
other things antisocial personality disorder to be more specific but in december 3rd 1995 i don't know huh? would it be personality antisocial personality disorder i'm only yeah, saying would it that be antisocial? huh no, so I'm trying to think. Now I'm like, 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 uh, jumble. What's the word? Juggling them in my mind. Um, I, I mean, the killing of the animals is where I'm getting that from. Um, because right. we we forget he did kill the small animals, so he had some of that going on. Well, I would go into the, yeah. But I'm, I was like thinking. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Disregard for safety of of others. Yeah, you know? yeah. I couldn't. I'm trying to like he think mentioned about voices, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, right. That he too. Said the voices were voices telling him, told to, kill. him to kill, but I don't necessarily believe him because. Right. Sometimes back in then, when everyone was starting to try to take mental health seriously, you would lie mm-hmm. about your symptoms and things, hoping to get uh, compassion or mercy. Right. No, you're right. And no. I mean, they they no. said he possibly could have started murdering women back at 19. Um, Because the experience level of which they found these victims and what he was doing was not of a first timer. No. So, like, and of course, all the jewelry that they found as well. Right. The three P's. uh, What are the three P's? Shit. Oh, look, I cussed. Um, I read this. I know this. The three P's of personality disorders, persistent, pervasive, and pathological. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would definitely argue that he definitely has personality yeah. disorder. I don't know if it's, it's somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere on it's the somewhere spectrum, especially with the frivolous I mean, lawsuit, like frivolous suits and, and appeals. That's definitely somebody with a personality. It could be borderline as well. It could be a combination. And sometimes you find a combination. Yeah. Um, in people. And that's more than normal to find a combination because, you know, the manipulation of the system and the lying and that's very borderline so but you know there's some antisocial traits as well so who knows um regardless i can see that yeah (laughs) regardless in december 3rd 1995 uh i guess somebody was sick of mr schaefer because he was found dead stabbed to death in his cell um he was killed by a fellow inmate named vincent rivera um Nineteen ninety nine. Just a little background on Rivera. He was convicted of. Oh no, not a little background. But what happened? So ninety nine is when they um, convicted him of Schaefer. He never um, admitted that he killed Schaefer, hmm. but they convicted him. I don't know why it was evidence. Maybe I don't know what what it was, but he got fifty three years added onto a life sentence that he was already serving for a double murder. So. Yeah, so I mean, he couldn't do much, yeah, no. but but the thing with Schaefer in prison, he even had he had quite the uh, the prison experience because there are people were saying that he was a bit of a snitch. No one liked him. That he was like, right? No one liked him. He was snitching on everybody, um, and that some there were reports that he owed folks money, um, or if money doesn't just have to be cash; it could be. Traded goods, services, mm-hmm. things like that. It's prison, guys. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that he would do too is he would be he was writing mm-hmm. in prison. Like his girlfriend from high school, what's her name? Sandra, uh, London. She had came. Uh, she became a true crime writer, and she was publishing the stories uh, that he was writing under the title Killer Fiction. Right. So she was like making money off of his story. Really dark, morbid stories. 
but also like the ones that she thought he was quote unquote making up um that could very well be um real um he also wrote a story uh called whores i read this um where he recounts hanging a prostitute and having sex with her body so like he this again we have these really like pervasive depraved uh thoughts uh there, there's another one he stabbed and um cut open a a girl during sex mm-hmm. like so he's like he's writing all these things in prison um and i read something i'm not sure if it's completely true but i googled it and tried to find several articles um but apparently in florida state prison he was fellow inmates with ted bundy and otis tool i heard of that too I read that, right. like, vaguely, so, yeah, but I couldn't get that much information about it. Right. So I don't know if that's true or not. But we like, we know where when Ted Bundy was in Florida State. Like, so, we like, it kind of overlaps. Um, Otis, too, I've never known too much about. I know that last podcast on the left covered him. But right. um, who knows? But, yeah, but Gerard Schaefer uh, met his maker, uh, like you said, December 3rd, 1995, and was... How old was he? He wasn't even that old at that point. 40s? But, yeah, without, like, I don't want to say, like, there's no justice in that. You know, he's 49. And, you know, him not actually being forced to serve out his sentence for the rest of his life, I think, is a little bit of a, is a little bit of a loss. But, mm-hmm. you know, karma's a B. Yep. And... If anything, this this case should teach you guys is to do right by people. I don't know. It's <laughs> definitely not it, <laughs> weirdo. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there is, I don't know, there's just a lot, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, as far as trusting, you know, people, I think that public servants, yeah. sh- they should be trusted. They should be able to be trusted, and not all of them can be. But also, we need to be wary of people who... Uh, who don't quite fit the bill and still somehow make it through. We have to stop allowing mediocrity or uh, <laughs> right. or just inca- incapacity in general to be able to into spaces where care is needed, compassion is needed, reason and rationale is needed. And he just had too many opportunities to use his his power as an officer, which I'm sure is what he did. Um, is to convince people that he was safe, right? His victims. How else would you continue? Because he was described as like older, kind of. What's the word? He was he was mad. Someone co- called him overweight and doughy, but he wasn't like a like a charming Not man. At all. So there had to be another way to disarm uh, his victims, and I'm sure he was using his police officer title to do and it. Which was why I mean, them... that's why he's probably going for the jobs that he was trying to go for: police, teach. I mean, like police teacher and priest, like. These are all people that typically people of authority that you should trust should. Um, where can people find you on the internet if they were to look for you? <laughs> I'm laughing because he hates me so much. I changed my name again. Mm-hmm. Listen, you guys. Right. If they were if they were hoping to find you and looking for something, <laughs> there are probably people looking from old episodes in the show notes and like I can't find her. Where is she? It's because you can find me on Charnel's friend list. <laughs> search my stuff to find (laughs) for sure it's the last time so it's just underscore d d e e underscore isa isa it's like literally one of my original screen names i just added the underscore so i didn't have to add any numbers 
He used to be D. Are the underscores taken already? What the underscores? Like is 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 it, is it without the underscores that that username is already taken? This, yeah, everything without underscores is taken. It's the underscores. And I used to have um, D E S A four, but I didn't want the four. I never wanted the four. So it's just underscore D underscore Isa. Why can't it just be like Isa D or something like that? Pretty sure that's taken too. Because life. Jeez. <laughs> no, seriously. Right. Or like, I don't know. I don't know to tell you. Um, you don't have a unique name like me, but somehow Charnel is taken too. So someone out there has my username on Instagram and Twitter and don't use them. <laughs> I feel like they, I feel like it was somebody like when I first started podcasting, I feel like it was someone who was like, I'm going to be a jerk and take these first. Because I had my username before this was Neezy One. It wasn't even like Charnel B. Um, so when I went to get change it to Charnel, it was already gone. Um, but you can find me on social media at Charnel B. It's C H A R N E I L B. Um, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. I stay on both a lot. I like a lot of things on Instagram. I post like once every two weeks. But Twitter, I stay on all I'm the time. I'm very I curated on Instagram. Twitter, <laughs> I am like my page is very curated and purposefully on. Uh, instagram now um well twitter is where the people are so that's where i twitter i just started to get there because you know what i have a lot of feelings typically i don't have a lot of feelings so i don't go on twitter because there's not much to say lately i've had a lot of feelings so you'll see me on twitter more but you can find me on both instagram and twitter Find her all over the place until she changes her name and you'll and never be able to find her just look for sure now just anyway, look for sure now look for me fine. just stay here <laughs> Um, you can find you can find the podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at What Did You Do Pod. Follow us there, all that good stuff. Uh, look out for all the stuff that we're doing on our yeah. own. I know that Dee has started her blog, um, so check that out. I started another podcast uh, called I'm Praying for Y'all. It's my faith based uh, podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, I know some people who are listeners uh, here have listened to that, um, and I've had conversations. Uh, with some of the listeners about faith and in religion and how it sucks a lot sometimes. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that. But until the next time we congregate uh, kind of audibly or audio-wise, I don't know what the word is for that, while we're cooking and cleaning and listening to each other speak, um, I want you guys to take care of yourselves. I want you to be kind to yourselves, be kind to each other, listen to each other, protect each other, right. defend each right. other, love each yeah. other. And continue to wash your hands. So, yes, COVID COVID did not disappear. Did you see? Did you see the tweet that I was like, I can't believe that COVID lost a twenty-eight-three lead to racism. (laughs) It sure did. (laughs) Because of the Super Bowl, like three years ago. (laughs) People just stopped talking about COVID. I'm like, that is still a real thing. Wear your mask, wash your hands. Please wear your wear your mask and wash your hands. Uh, Be well, be safe, make good choices, all that stuff. Till next time, guys. Bye. Bye.